Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We are uh, talking this month. Uh, Lord's laid on my heart to start out this year understanding the power of our words, understanding the power of vocalizing and verbalizing um, God's intentions and God's plans for your life. And... Um, recognizing the power of, of, of uh, whether you realize it or not, you have capacity to prophetically declare and prophetically speak into uh, what God wants to do in your life. You have the opportunity to get your mouth in alignment and get your mouth in agreement with what God is doing. And your mouth plays a very key role in seeing the vision and the plan of God come to pass. We saw last week in Habakkuk chapter 2, quick review, that the Lord always begins with vision. Nothing God ever does begins by formulating something and then trying to figure out what it's going to be. God always knows what something's going to be when it shows up. He's never caught off guard. You did not show up in the planet and say, oh, wow, wasn't expecting that one. Um, what are we going to do with their life? No, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you and not just knew you, but gave you a plan and a purpose and a destiny already assigned to you what you were going to accomplish and what you were going to fulfill and the very way you were going to impact this earth with heaven. He knew that before you came out. And so God is a visionary. God is a dreamer. God operates by faith means that I'm living somewhere where it's not yet in the seen realm yet, but he, he lives as if that's the way it is. That's why he called Abraham a father of many nations when he was 75 years old and didn't even have the capacity beyond childbearing age and was married to someone that had been infertile all her life. I mean, everything I just listed is every reason why that should not have worked. But in God's mind, he speaks into things by words and by calling it something. I mean, if you haven't realized over the last 24 months that calling something, we got people fearful of a common cold because we name it something different. Hello? We named it. We called it. If that doesn't show you the power. See, the enemy knows the power of words more than some believers do. I think there's things that the devil knows that we ought to learn and discover. You know, he knows your identity and your purpose maybe better than you do. That's why he's so scared of you, and that's why he's trying to hide it from you. If the devil's ever trying to hide something from me, it's probably something, it's probably an indicator of something that's pretty valuable to my life and I need to get clued in on. If he's trying to hide the divine healing and wholeness in my body from me, and he's trying to secure that thing and try to lock that up and try to hide it with all kinds of religious ideas and try to make it seem like God is trying to put it on, on me to teach me something, that might be an indicator. I need to get a hold of that. He's keeping something from me. Come on. We learned Wednesday night that he plays around and he lives and he dwells in ignorance, confusion, and lack of awareness. That's the devil's playing field, man. If you don't know, if you're confused or unaware, he is reigning in that. He's living it up in that territory. That's why it's a renewed mind. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know will kill you, will keep you from the very blessings and the promises that God has for you. 
So God always begins with vision. And he said this, write it down, make it plain so that I can run with it. Can't run with the vision that's confusing. Can't run with the confusion that I don't, with the vision that I can't personally see. Can't run with the vision that I can't tangibly get my hands on and say, okay, this is my goal. This is what I'm going after. He says, write it down, make it plain so that you can run with it. That's how God operates, with vision. But we recognize this, that when God operates with vision, he expects it to come to pass. And many times, we'll see today, we find ourselves talking ourselves out of the very things God is talking us into. It's amazing how many times we, we will say things. I, I, and, and look, I'm preaching to the choir. I could easily be down in that seat saying, man, that, that's got me. That's challenging. That's convicting. How many times I may say something, whether intentionally or by slipping, that is in disagreement or discord with what God's word says. That is contrary. Because again, the enemy knows the power of these words. This is what I know. Both God and the devil gain authority and access into our life by our words. Both God and the devil gain access and authority into our life by our words. You're giving one of them the authority, one of them the control, one of the two sides is gaining access and entrance into dictating and, and, and seeing their plan come to pass by the words we speak. So I can restrict the activity of one, limit the activity of one, and also give access to the other. When I give God access to my words through my mouth, I'm limiting and restricting the activity of the enemy. Vice versa, when I give the enemy my mouth, I agree with him, then I'm restricting and limiting what God wants to do. If you live in this world or you live in this idea that God's going to do whatever he wants regardless of what you and I do or how we operate or we play no role in this thing, we're just simply, you know, on the sidelines, spectating, watching, you need to wake up. You play a much bigger role in this thing than you think you do. You've got more at your disposal, you've got more access, you've got more power, you've got more authority than you even know you do. You're not even familiar with the 12 spies that go and check out the promised land and 10 of them talk themselves out of the very thing God had for thousands of years was trying to talk them into. They came out of Egypt looking for the promised land. You think that God's going to drag you into blessing and drag you into what he's promised you. It ain't happening. You're going to have to find yourself a, a, a participant. You're going to have to find yourself cooperating with the plan of God. Even Jesus himself had to cooperate. He said, I didn't come to do my own will. I didn't come here doing my own initiative. Meaning this, he had his own will and his own initiative, fleshly speaking, that was different than what God wanted. That's why in that garden he said, not my will, but your will. What does that imply? There's two different wills. 
And if I'm not careful, my will will override because he's not going to force me to do it. He's not, we're not robots down here. We, we play a role. We have a hand in this thing. Amen. Hallelujah. So Luke chapter 6, verse 45. We want to see this vision come to pass. We want to see this authority that the church has been given reflected in the earth. Luke chapter 6. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. You see a pattern here. Good man with the good treasure brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And that goes on to say this. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. It says out of the abundance of his heart, out of the overflow of what's in here, his mouth speaks. His mouth produces what is in his heart. The Passion Translation, I'm sorry, the New Living Translation, New Living Translation reads it this way. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say, the words you speak, flows from what is in your heart? The Passion Translation reads it this way. People are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. Likewise, out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. Here we go. For the overflow of what has been stored. Everyone say stored. Stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. Notice the direction of the flow, if you will. The direction is what is inside eventually comes out. But if you really want to start at the beginning, he says what is stored in the heart is produced by the fruit in our lives and the words in our mouth. So before I've got something coming from the inside out, I've got to get something from the outside in. It has to get stored in the heart first. This is what this verse tells us, is that our life is a product of what's in our heart. Our life is a product of what is in our heart, and our mouth reveals what is stored there. Isn't that interesting? That the mouth, our words, can be an indicator of what's in our heart. Our mouth can be an indicator of what has been stored deep within our heart. Remember what David, David said, King David, he said, Thy word, your word, that's King James, thy, thy word have I, say it again, one more time, hid in my heart. You know, it takes some intentionality to hide something. When you accidentally hide something, it's called losing it. <laughs> he didn't say, I lost your word in my heart. 
I didn't mean to put it there, and now I don't know where it is. No, he said, I hid it. That means I have intentionally placed it in a place where it's not just exposed, and it's not just left out for others to, to grab a hold of. It's not out, it's out there just laying, uh, if you remember the parable of the sower, the seed that fell by the wayside. And the enemy comes immediately to pluck up, right, what was sown, to pick up what was sown. Why? Because it wasn't hidden, planted, placed in a place where elements and things could not come by and just easily pick it up. So what's he saying? If I want to get the word out of my mouth, i got to first get it in my heart, and I've got to be intentional about getting it in my heart. See, if we want to really talk about our words, if we really want to talk about what's coming in, we have to first engage what's, or what's coming out. We have to first engage what's going in. If I want to address the results of my life, I need to first address the what's going into my life. Many people want to address their life on the level of what's being produced, the fruit. That's the easy thing, to always address the exterior. It takes work, vulnerability, and aggressiveness, and intentionality to go after what's going in to a person. If we're going to talk about the results of our words, then we got to talk about what is the intake of our life? What's my storing process look like? It's amazing the things that we store, or it's amazing the things that we accumulate. It's amazing the, the things that we spend our times um, um, engaging in and and you know, left in front of our eye gate and our ear gate, and then we wonder why we see the results that we see. It's time to stop being surprised by the results. It's time to start taking a look at what's the intake. It's time to get down on the, not the fruit level, the root level. He specifically uses a, a, a tree or a plant that's bearing fruit. And he's using that as an analogy to help us understand that if you're going to get fruit off a tree, you've got to get nutrients in the soil. You've got to get something to the root before you're going to see the fruit. I've used this example many times. I think it was uh, Paul Tripp that I saw this example used. He was teaching on parenting. For, if you're familiar with Paul Tripp, does a lot on marriages and, and parenting. He used this example of this tree that he ha- had out in the backyard. It was an apple tree. And his wife told him, hey, you know, you need to do something about that tree out there. It's not producing, you know, apples like it ought to. It's the season for apples. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So he went to the grocery store and bought a bushel, bought a basket of apples. And then he went to Home Depot and he bought a staple gun. And he stapled the apples to the tree. Well, it took care of the problem temporarily. It's got apples hanging off of it. But come next time you expect that those same results, guess what? We're going to get the other result. He said, if I really want to engage the problem on the level, the, the, the area that really needs to be addressed, I've got to get to the root of the issue. I've got to get down in the soil. I've got to get dirty. It's not just as easy as just changing, stapling stuff, putting stuff up on the exterior without ever really addressing stuff on the inside. 
This is really why New Year's resolutions usually don't work is because we write down um, um, exterior. Our list usually says things like a healthy marriage. We usually don't put on there deal with unforgiveness. See, see, one's on the outside, the other's on the inside. If we start making checklists out of stuff that dealt with us, come on. Buy a new car, stop spending so much money. One's on the outside, one's on the inside. And so every year we are stapling fruit to our trees, and then we come around December 31, January 1 of the next year, and we wonder why we're not getting the fruit in season because we're dealing with the issue on the wrong level. If I'm going to speak words in alignment with God's word, guess what I'm going to have to do? Get in God's word and get God's word in me. Abide in me and I in you. Hello. There's got to be some abiding. This weekend visitation stuff ain't going to work for the church in these last days. This, my, this little, you know, Pastor Mark, give me a 45, 55-minute sermon, and he better not go a second over because I got to get over to Cheddar's. It's not going to work anymore. You're going to have to get your face in the book. You're going to have to get the word in your heart, and you're going to have to start living the results and producing the results that we're preaching and telling you this stuff works. And then we come to the conclusion, ah, oh, that stuff doesn't work. Maybe his promises aren't real. Maybe his blessings aren't. Maybe they're not really for me. Maybe he's forgotten me. Maybe he doesn't know where I am. You know, maybe I'm the, 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 the exception to the rule. We come up with all kinds of reasons why God's word isn't working and why our exterior boxes aren't getting checked. And he's saying, there's another level. Look at your neighbor say, there's another level. There's another level. Y'all said that quiet. <laughs> y'all said that, y'all, oh, there's another level. <sighs> yeah, there's, there's, there's another level. <laughs> Mark chapter 11. You're, you're laughing on the outside, on the inside, you're like, oh, God. 2022 is the year I deal with the other level. 2022 is where I get down in the roots. I get down in the dirt. We're digging this thing up. We ain't having another unfruitful year. We ain't coming to December 31st, 2022 and saying, why am I not seeing fruit? Why isn't it producing? Why is it barren? Why is it dry? Why am I up here starting to staple this stuff back to this tree again? This marriage is still just as broken. These finances are still just as broken. I'm just as sick as I was last year. I'm even worse off than I was when I started. No, this is the year that we walk in the fulfillment of the promises and the blessings of the Almighty God. So get the shovel out. Let's do some digging. Mark chapter 11, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
Now, obviously, we use this verse a lot. This verse was not written by Kenneth E. Hagin. It was actually written by Mark, I promise you. But I know it was quoted, quoted enough by us Rhema people that we, you know, might have that confused a little bit. But we will get into confession, and we will get into the power of confession. But the one thing I want us to see here is that he uses, in verse 23, uh, he tells us to say something three times. For assuredly, I say, so Jesus says, one say. So Jesus, one, us, zero. Whoever says to this mountain, that's us, so now we're tied. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, that's two, will be done. He will have whatever he says. That's three. Three times we're to say something, one time he says something. If this shows us anything, it ought to show us the power of our word. It ought to convict us that the same God that shaped and formed the earth by words is now created you, has now created you in his image and in his likeness. It ought to be a conviction in our life that our words hold some kind of meaning and hold some kind of power. That, there's a, that there is a, a responsibility even. This could be the year, 2022, the year the church becomes responsible for their word. For that binding and that loosing that we were talking about last week. For that declaring and speaking into and speaking over. We've got to have a better discernment of what is just optimistic sayings and what is actually prophetically declaring and speaking over something that we know needs to be transformed and changed by the power of God. I'm not just talking about being an optimist. Oh, it's going to be a good day today. No, there's something in your heart. But, man, it doesn't come out of your heart when it's not stored there. You go through enough disappointment, you go through enough failure, and you quit waking up thinking it's going to be a good day today. You quit getting to January 1st and saying things like, this is the best year yet. You, you, those words have, and, and, you know, there's a time, you know, where the, it begins to dwindle. It begins to fade. It, the, the, there, there's, no, there's no luster behind it. There's no passion behind it. That's because it's left your heart. And it, once it leaves your heart, you might still have the remnants of it in your mouth, but it won't be long before that burns out too. And now you can't even vocalize those optimistic things you once used to say. And then before you know it, your speaking shifts. Nothing's going to change this year. What's the point of making resolutions? They don't ever work anyway. He's always going to treat me this way. I'm never going to have any money. And these words you don't even realize are shaping the very world in front of you. We made this statement last week when we were talking about vision. That death in your mouth is the result of a deficiency of vision in your heart. Death in your words. Hear what I'm saying. Is the result of a deficiency of vision in your heart. If I'm going to address this, I must first address 
this. See, the problem was is that, you know, in, in confession and in word of faith and in, in these circles where we believe in the power of our words, we, we, we began to get off in an area where we thought just saying something produced something, and that's not the case. Confession is not a magic button that you push to get God to do whatever you want. If anything, confession is what we use to get God to do what he wants. Confession is not how I get God to do what I want. Speaking into, you know, speaking jets and speaking cars and speaking houses and speaking motorcycles and, and speaking this and speaking that. No, I've got to get what God wants right here. And then I am speaking what he says. So now I'm seeing his results produced in my life, not mine. The power of confession is in agreement. That's really what confession is. In fact, the very word uh, in Romans chapter 10, confess Jesus as Lord. That actual word, if you look it up in the Greek, actually means contract. It means agreement. It's a binding agreement. Back in the day, your word was your bond. When you confessed something, you were agreeing to the terms and the conditions, to the fine print. Now, I know we don't ever read the fine print, but there's some fine print that we need to get to learn. There's some fine print that needs to get in our heart. And we're coming, we are binding ourselves in a contractual agreement. And so when I'm confessing, so when I'm confessing healing over my body, when I'm confessing life into my marriage, that's not me trying to fix it. That's me agreeing with what God says about it and expecting him to move on my behalf. You see the difference? And my words are steering me in whichever direction. And so in, in, the, in like manner, I can use those words to come into agreement with what the devil wants. You mean the devil wants something? Absolutely. The enemy comes to steal kill and to destroy. Jesus came to what? Give life and life more abundantly. And whichever one I attach my words to is the results that I will see in my life. But we're not just talking words that don't have any attachment to the heart. That's stapling stuff to trees. Confessing things that you don't really have any knowledge of. Confessing things that you don't even really believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. There's got to be engagement of the heart. A man produces what is sown. A man produces what is stored. And then a man produces what is spoken. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words are tricky because we can say things we don't mean. We have this capacity. Every single one of us does. Words can manipulate. If we're not careful, we will think we are accomplishing something merely by saying it. We saw last week that when, when God speaks, he's not just saying something, he's doing something. When God wants to accomplish something, when God wants to get something done, he doesn't do it, he says it. And then the words go forth, 
And he says, and my word will accomplish that which I have sent it to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, the word of God in the flesh dwell, is the very example we have that when he sends, it, sends his word, it will accomplish that which he sends it to do. It will not return to me void, he says. It will not return to me empty. It will not turn to me, return to me useless. So we recognize that our words are accomplishing something. But what you have to understand is in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, have faith in God. If we actually look at this translation in a couple of the verses, look what it says. In the Amplified, in the Amplified, Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. How often are we supposed to have faith in God? And how often are we supposed to have doubt? Never. The implication is if I'm having faith constantly, then there's no room for doubt and unbelief. That's pretty easy. In the Passion Translation, it reads this way. Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. The actual way verse 22 is translated is have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. When he says have faith in God, what he's literally saying there is have the God kind of faith. What's that mean? God operates by faith. Do y'all believe God operates by faith? Absolutely. When he sees a 75-year-old man that's barren, what's he call him? A father of many nations. When he sees a, 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 a farmer down at the bottom of a basement working, hiding out, what does he call him? A mighty warrior valiant warrior. When he sees a shepherd that everybody else has forgotten, what's he call him? A king. God operates by faith. And now he's making the demand of you and I to operate at that same level. Have the God kind of faith that when you say something, you believe in your heart, it will come to pass. Not even God speaks with a detachment from his heart. When he speaks, it's connected to what he believes. When he says, let there be stars, guess what? There's stars. There, let there be light. Let there be sun. Let this happen. Let that. Guess what he's doing? He's connected his heart. I believe the moment I speak, it will be accomplished. And now he's making the demand of you and I to operate on that same level. That the creative impact and the creative force of our words could literally shape what is in front of us or destroy. Have the God kind of faith to believe that when you speak something in accordance to the word that you have sown and stored in your heart, that you will see those results come to pass. Regardless of time, regardless of location, regardless of season, regardless of, of, of whatever obstacle or challenge may come, God does not consult your challenges to determine if his promises can come true in your life. God doesn't consult your past. He doesn't consult your history. He doesn't consult uh, uh, where you work. He doesn't consult how much money you have. He doesn't consult if you've been married, remarried, divorced. It, it, it doesn't, he doesn't consult any of that. He says, this is my word, and my word will come to pass. It will accomplish that which I have sent it to do. Now, you have to store that in your heart so that it can flow out of the abundance. 
the, the problem is many of us are trying to get it in our mouth before it's in our heart. Doesn't work this way, it works this way. I'm not gonna talk myself into believing something. I'm gonna renew my mind, believe it in my heart, confess it with my mouth. That's the connection. Renew my mind, believe it in my heart, confess it with my mouth. Otherwise, we, we convince ourselves through manipulation of words that merely saying it will cause it to come to pass. You know, it's in the, in the very next verse, in verse 24, he says this. Reading there in the New King James. No, verse 23, verse 23. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and here it is, and does not doubt in his heart. There's the connection. Did you know you could say with your mouth and doubt in your heart? So he's connecting the two. He's saying, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Before you fill your mouth with all kinds of verbiage and words and vocabulary that sounds spiritual and sounds faith-filled, make sure you check your heart. Make sure we get doubt out of the way. Make sure doubt, doubt isn't running rampant. Make sure that you are taking care of any doubts and any obstacles that are standing in the way. Because when you speak, we don't need to be manipulated that just our words are going to accomplish the task. I need a heart. I need a mouth that is attached to a heart. I need a confessing mouth attached to a believing heart. You don't believe with your mouth. You confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. The heart is for believing, the mouth is for confessing. You know, there was an example in the book of Acts where there were some individuals that tried to approach some demons, seven sons of Sceva. They approached with their mouth, but not with their heart. We come to you in the name of Jesus, uh, who Paul preaches. That's where we heard it from. There's no heart conviction of who Jesus is, that he died on the cross, that he's the son of the living God, that he's the Messiah, he's the anointed one that has risen back and, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. No idea what that is. No belief system, no, no, no heartfelt conviction of who Jesus was, but we know who Paul is. And guess what? They got tore up. Why? Because they uttered without a belief. They spoke, declared, commanded, rebuked, whatever you want to call it, without the connection and the engagement of the heart in the process. He says, confess with your mouth or speak with your mouth. Say to this mountain. You know us as Christians, we love our analogies, mountains and giants and rivers and valleys. They always mean something. What's the mountain? Whatever is in your way. That's what Jesus is saying. You literally can speak to whatever obstacle is in your way, and you can declare it to be moved. But you cannot have doubt in your heart. You've got to eliminate. There's a storing. Before there's a speaking problem, there's a storing problem. Before there's a storing problem, there's a sowing problem. What you sow is what you store, and what you store is what you speak. That's what I'm trying to drill down to you today. 
not about walking out of here with, with a bunch of the best is yet to come, 2022 is the best year yet, all things new in 2022, whatever catchy phrase you want to come up with. This is about getting a conviction that God is on the move. God is doing something in my life. God is better and bigger than any obstacle I could face. No challenge. I'm done giving challenges more territory in my life than the promises of God. But I got to believe it in my heart. Again, confession is not about getting what you want. It's about getting what God wants. So in Numbers chapter 13, let's look at this. Numbers chapter 13. I believe it's extremely vital to make these principles simple so that they can be applied. It does me no good to come up here with some great, you know, oratorical skill and, and, and well-rounded speech and three points and, 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 and that doesn't do any good if you can't apply it and live it. You've got to walk out of here today with the, with the ability and capacity to apply what is spoken and what is heard. Faith comes by hearing, but faith grows by doing and, and faith grows by applying And the word says, do not be hearers only, but be doers. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back a what? It's on the screen behind me. They brought back what? They brought back a what? A word or a report? Depends on what you're looking at. On the screen it says a report. A word. Some type of conversation. Some type of communication. And what, we, what they may not even realize we get to go back and read this verse. We get to, to go back and read this passage, understanding what, what is about to fully happen and, and what the result was. But, but, but what they don't recognize is everything lies on this report. All the power is contained in this report. If they would have just gotten together and said, what is the report we're going to give? That word right there is the most powerful word in this entire passage. It didn't matter what they saw. Right? What they heard was more powerful than what they saw. They brought back a report, what they heard, for them and the whole community, and they showed what they saw, the fruit of the land. Oh, man. 
Did the community see the giant? Did the community see the vastness of the land? Did the community see the fortified cities and walls? What did they see? What did they see? Isn't this amazing that we've bought this lie that somehow I have to see it to believe it? I mean, I'm literally getting this right now. This is not even in my notes. They reported on the negative and showed them the positive. I've read this passage a million times, and I've never seen this. And we don't think our words have any power. Thomas, you think you'll believe because I show you the holes in my hands and the piercing in my side. But blessed are those that have not seen, but believe what they have heard. My gosh. If that doesn't cause you to take inventory of our words, They brought back a report and some proof. And they believed the report more than they believed what they saw. Man, oh man. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here, and here is some of its fruit. We have brought you the blessing of the land. They only brought, they, they didn't bring back, you know, photos of the giants. They, they didn't bring back, you know, uh, uh, you know, any kind of recognizance material of, of the fortified cities. They brought back word. They brought back a report. They visibly showed them the positive, and the people still believed the negative. You know, you hear something before you see it. The plane in the sky. I've never looked in the sky and seen a plane that I didn't hear first. I heard it. Where is it? Oh, there it is. There it is. Living here in Valdosta, military jets flying around all the time. 
I hear the sound and it sets an expectation to look for something. But I hear it first, which causes me to see it in an unseen realm. I know what I'm looking for, and now I'm laying my eyes while I'm looking diligently. It's up there somewhere. You hear the train before you see it. You hear the screaming child before you find out what they're screaming about. Come on. You hear it first, then you see it. This is why words are so important. The earth heard, let there be light. And the earth said, we got to produce some light. We heard it. Then we saw it. Man, oh man, this is good. If you ain't getting jacked up, I am. I'm buying this CD. I'm going to buy it twice. My gosh. Verse 28, however, the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. It goes on and on with all the different enemies that are residing in these territories. Recognizing that our report our words, our communication, what we say. See, see, I, 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 I hear the Lord say, this is your best year yet. And then I'm looking for it to be the best year yet. But if I don't have the engagement of my heart, I'll easily be deterred. If you've been living your life to this point saying, Lord, if you show it to me, I'll believe, you will never believe. You don't need to see it. You need to hear it and then believe it in your heart regardless of what you see. The very next verse, Caleb quieted the people. Caleb what? Caleb what? Put that verse up there, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted, silenced. We got to cut off what they're hearing. And Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land. Because we can certainly conquer it. Now, Joshua and Caleb believed a different report. And this is why the report is so important. The report is greater than what you see. See, they, Joshua and Caleb did not go in to get a report. Joshua and Caleb went in with 
a report. Man, come on, you got to get this this year. You're not going into 2022 to find out what God's doing this year. You're going into 2022 knowing what he's doing this year and standing by what he's doing this year regardless of what you see. There's giants, there's fortified cities, the land is too vast, it it, it swallows up and consumes its inhabitants, there's no way we can, no, 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 he said, I believe the report that I went in with, and regardless of what I see, it does not overcome or override what I know, what I've heard, what I believe, and now I speak in line with what I know. And my report will not align with what I see. My report stays with what he says. What you hear is greater than what you see. Laying in a hospital bed with a tormenting disease and doctors have said there's nothing we can do. Get the TV off. What are you doing? Get a report. Hear a report. Get it in your heart. Sow it, store it, and say it. So then, no matter what I see, I stay on what he said. And now I can either say what he said, or I can say what I see. And if you say what you see, you'll never see what he says. Too many times we're only saying what we see. It's the reason why we never see what he said. He said, this is your land. By name, he called it. He literally called it the promised land. Promised, past tense, meaning I'm done, man. I've already signed the, I've already signed the lease on the thing. Now go get it. All that was needed was the taking. (laughs) That's all that was left. Go occupy it. Go get it. But, Lord, there's giants there. Kick them out. It's too much. Grow, multiply. This is why I told you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You can't do it by yourself. (sighs) My God. Gosh. Everyone say, sow it. Everyone say, store it. Everyone say, see it. Sow it. Store it. Say it. Receive it. See it. Man, 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 man. Verse 31. After Caleb quiets the people, says, let us go now. You know, sometimes you just got to activate and do it. Don't give doubt an opportunity to build. You know, sometimes I don't have time to explain to you that healing is yours. We just got to go get it. He says, let us go up now. Because I see that report starting to build. You have sown a negative report. You've stored a negative report. Before you know it, you'll start saying a negative report. And then you will see 
a negative report. Oh, if we can, if I can cut off the storing. If I can cut off the storing. Let us go now because we are well able to conquer it is what Caleb says. We are well able. Let us go now. Don't wait. Go get this thing. It's yours for the taking. And we cannot allow to happen what happens in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him responded. Some of us are letting the devil respond even when we're trying to stand in faith. Cast down every thought and imagination that raises itself against the word of God. Exalts itself against what he said. But the men responded. We can't attack the people. The devil will always have a we can't for every time God says you can. He'll always give you a can't for a can. He'll always give you a won't for a will. He'll always give you the literal contrary response to what God said you can do. And at this point, he cannot keep those people from that land. It's already been promised them. It already belongs to them. He can't do, he, he does not have the authority to get in between God and his people and say, you can't do this. But he can talk them out of it. He can't take it from you, but he can keep you from accessing it by you believing his report over his. Because every blessing, every good thing, every provision, all the access is already yours. There is nothing else Jesus needs to do. He did not leave anything undone on that cross that when he rose again. And now he's seated at the right hand. It is done, past tense, it's accomplished. It's got an ED on the end. It's not something he's trying to do. It's something he's already done. But now if you agree with the devil, now you, uh, I can't, uh, too big, too many, too strong. The Bible actually says in the next chapter, verse 14, that they rebelled against the Lord by failing to enter the promised land. Sometimes our rebellion isn't in what we do. It's in what we refuse to do. By not entering the promise of the Lord, is actually posturing ourselves against him and his plan and his will. Joshua and Caleb are not trying to use some kind of motivational speech or optimistic uh, uh, conversation to motivate the people to move into the promised land. They are simply agreeing and standing on what God already said. They're not detaching this from the heart. No, 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 let's go do it, let's go do it, let's go do it. No, they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth. See, believing in your heart and you're confessing with your mouth doesn't stop at salvation. The way you got in is the way you maintain this thing. We've got to keep believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. To see the promises and the blessings of God come to pass. Let me give you a couple points. Number one, everything God has for us originates first as a promise. Everything that God has for us originates first as a promise. Understand this, that you will get a report before you see the thing come to pass. 
The Bible says, whose report will you believe? Who has believed the report of the Lord? Everything that God has promised you is an end goal where he wants you to be. And it always comes to you in the form of a promise first. My God, this is so good. Number two, agreement is alignment. Agreement is alignment. Now it is up to me to agree with the report. Our lives are full daily. We are faced with which report will we believe? Which report will we stand with? Which, and I can promise you right now, you're probably facing a situation where you have a report from God and you have a report of the circumstance and the circumstance report looks more plausible and believable than the report of God. That's called faith. That's why it's called faith. Because it demands of you to believe in something that you have yet to see and even looks to be completely against odds with what you're currently facing. <laughs> oh, man. He hasn't changed his model. He hasn't changed his template. He's still putting us in predicaments that demand our trust and faith in him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Close with this. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. On the back end of not entering into the promised land. I mean, it goes on down and, and, and they actually make this statement. Uh, uh, it was as if we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, that, that's a whole other level of deception when you start putting your words in the devil's mouth for you. That's a whole nother level of doubt and unbelief. That now I'm giving him ammo to fire back at me. Man. On the back end of this in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. The command of Joshua after the unbelieving group has died off. Believe it or not. Ten spies with a bad report kept the Israelites, the entire children of Israel, out of the promised land because they believed a negative report over two positive reports. Two positive reports that weren't just Joshua and Caleb trying to be optimistic and hopeful, but was literally in agreement and alignment with what God had already spoken. They didn't make this up. They're just simply saying, he said it. It must be ours. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your what? Mouth. But you are to what? Meditate. What's meditate? Sowing. What's not letting it depart from your mouth? Speaking. And so whatever is sowing is getting stored. Whatever is getting stored is getting spoken. Whatever is getting spoken is getting seen. 
This book of instruction must not depart from your, he's letting them know, you're going to have to take care at the sowing level. You're going to have to give intentionality at the storing level. You're going to have to take inventory of what's coming in because it will determine what comes out. And what comes out determines the path you take. See, Joshua and Caleb weren't just speaking themselves into a promised land. They were coming into agreement and alignment. This is the thing. You know, he uses words like command and instruction. If you'll meditate on the book of the law uh, day and night, you know, it, it, it can sound like, oh, he's got a rule book. And to a degree, yes, that's it. But let me tell you something. It's deeper than just a law book. It's deeper than just a rule book. It's his letter to you revealing his will and his intent and his purpose for your life. And you've got to come into agreement with it to see it fulfilled and come to pass. This is not just, i got to keep the rules or else I'm not going to get in the promise. No, this is, I've got to understand what his provision is for me, what his, his divine purpose is for me, what he's called me to do, what he's assigned me and tasked me with, what he's empowered me and equipped me with so that I can walk and fulfill the plan of God. And if I don't fulfill it, someone else will. He's just looking for a people that will receive his word and say, yes, that's it. If that's what he says, then I want it to. If that's where he wants me to be, then that's where I'm going. If that's what he wants me to say, then that's what I'm saying. If that's who he's called me to be, then that's what I'm going to be. And I will not allow another word that is contrary to his word come out of my mouth. We're taking inventory this year. This isn't walk out of here and say, oh, man, all these bad words or all these bad things. No, no, no. This is starting to say, what's feeding that? What's feeding those words? What, what, what's contributing to me always saying, always being negative, always being pest? Well, there's something feeding that. It's a spirit. It's coming into agreement with the enemy rather than what God says. Why would you want to come in agreement with someone that wants to steal, kill, and destroy? Because it's more believable? Because it's more plausible? Because it's the, it's the path of least resistance? You know, those 10 spies, they didn't get together and say, let's spread fear. Let's get them all scared so we don't have to go and encounter this war. No, they, they, they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were being cautious. They were following the natural conventional wisdom of man. That's not a place we need to be going. And by the spirit of God, this is a year we've already seen. I, I mean, I'm telling you right now, we ain't seen nothing yet. The last 20 months have been a very good dress rehearsal for what the last days are going to look like. You better shore yourself up. You better gird yourself with the truth of the word of God. You better have your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. You better get the helmet of righteousness on, the shield of faith. You better get it.
is what's warring and what's attacking and what's coming against the church in these last days is going to require demand of us to stand in the face of unconventional wisdom. And you can live cautiously, you just won't move mountains. You can live cautiously, but you won't slay giants. You can live cautiously and say, at least I'm not being reckless. At least I'm not being dangerous. Uh, it, you, you can look like you're going the way that, is, that, that seems right to man, but in the end, it's going to lead to death. We better be ready to be armed with the word of God. This year, sow it. This year, store it. This year, speak it. And this will be the year you will see it in the name of Jesus. Father, we command that right now. We speak that right now. Life into 2022. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.